The 12 Days of Restless. Day 11. We are coming. We are coming around the bend. We are coming right into the end of the 12 Days of Restless. Man, it's kind of sad, isn't it? I mean, it's it sad is. that we're not going to have this anymore. You're not going to get to hang out with us every day. Every day you've gotten to listen to us. Because we released The Deacon of God, which if at this point you you have not purchased it here as we come to the second to the last day. What's wrong with you people? Yeah, I don't know how, why you're clapping. I'm talking how, about you. How dare you? How dare you? Go. Go, it's in go the hard. Go, go hard. We're, I'm not going to tell you why you should get it again. Just go into this link, spend $2.99, get a reform guide to government. Because today we're coming to the end and we are going to do a reaction to J.D. Greer, a, a certain making of new Calvinism himself. I remember when I picked up his book, Stop Asking Jesus in Your Heart. And I was like, oh, that's such a great title. Well, the book uh, did not quite, did not get, did not actually was not that helpful for me. I was like, I can't wait to learn about the like reformed way of thinking about evangelism. And it really fell flat for me. It didn't fall flat with most people. I think that book sold very well. And he became the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And so Pastor Michael, today we are going to be reacting to a clip of J.D. Greer. I don't know why I had this, but I've had this clip saved for a long time. And while we were clearing out... So we're, we, we are both going in blind. We are going in blind. Uh, it's a clip curated by uh, someone who you either love or hate on the internet, the woke preacher clips guy. And the title of this, this video is, Is This the Worst Teaching of Luke 12, 13 through 21 Ever? So we kind of know where he's going with it, but we're going to think about it ourselves. So Pastor Michael, would you read those nine verses in case we don't know what those nine verses are? Yeah. So I was just pulling those up. Uh, so this is uh, the parable of the rich fool. So it says someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Man, those are great verses. Yeah, great and, passage. And I, I guess we're gonna not probably not listen to some great teaching on it. But I guess we'll find out. Find I don't out. know. It might be. It's winsome winter, Matt. You have to go in. You have to go right. into this. All thinking, winsome. J.D. Greer could have purchased a very nice sermon on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Dosen Group. Here we go. <laughs> oh, sorry. We have uh, text here that I guess I have to read. In this message during up the run-up to the 2020 presidential election, uh -oh. Summit Church's J.D. Greer puts a political spin on a story of Jesus warning two brothers fighting over their inheritance. Yeah, uh-oh, indeed. Uh-oh, indeed.
I want to take you to a moment in Jesus's life that I've talked about recently, and I'm going to lay out a case from it, a very brief one, for why the church, the institutional church, should avoid getting entangled in the political specifics. In the I'll say one thing here. Woke Preacher Clips guy, we didn't need that music. We didn't need the snazzy music. The elevator, nice elevator music. Yeah. So here we go. Why the church should not get involved with political disputes practice of justice. Here's the situation in Luke 12. Jesus is asked to adjudicate a particular social justice complaint. There's a younger brother who is accusing the older brother of leveraging his older brother privilege to cheat him out of his rightful inheritance. And let me just say, scholars tell us that was a legitimate problem in ancient Israel. This is a legitimate social justice complaint. Now, if you know anything about the life and ministry of Jesus, you know that Jesus cares about injustice. Like I told you, over 200 times in the Old Testament, it tells us that God cares about this. And Jesus, being the Son of God, He cares about it. In His sermons, Jesus frequently condemned greedy exploitation, which would certainly be at work. So, Pastor Michael, so what, what are we getting here? We're getting J.D. Greer is saying that Jesus is choosing to stay out of what would be a legitimate social justice complaint, which is the words he's using, um, a legitimate, like, issue of the a civic issue of the day right he is staying out of judging which brother is involved in this uh yeah what's interesting so far is just that jd and this is what i mean every this is so common uh this is so common but he starts with the church should stay out of political entanglements yep and then we're going to use like modern like kind of socio-political terms yeah. to explain what's going on in this text. <laughs> like Jesus like, is doing something that would have been brother privilege. And like, like, come on, man. Jesus is doing something that would have been completely explicable to political Twitter today. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. No. And, and again, I don't know where this is going, but so far sick burn on everyone who didn't love the, this is the argument of the Southern Presbyterians, by the way, don't, don't get into these kinds of political issues. And I, I got to imagine if this is the woke preacher clips, I got to imagine we're going to, this isn't going to be his position because that's not what the woke generally want from us. So, so far, I don't know what, I don't know where we're going with this. Particularly by the powerful against the weak, those in positions of power who do not use their positions of power to lift up others who are less privileged than them Jesus says in Luke 16, they're dangerous. And you're not driving and it's a nice evening and that's how you enjoy restless. Or you're doing the dishes and that's when you enjoy restless. Feel free to play the privilege drinking game that every time you hear that word on this podcast, just take a squig. Hellfire, regardless of, of how fervent they are in their religion, right? We just saw this in the parable in Luke 10, where Jesus says that his followers are responsible to address injustice, even if they had no part in the injustice. So can we suffice it to say Jesus cares about injustice? That's not in question. Okay, either. so he he is starting with Jesus cares about injustice. That is true. Right, Pastor Michael? Yeah, great. Okay. Um, the Bible I mean, obviously, the the language that he is using makes me uncomfortable, right? Oh, of so course. He's, he's using language that, of course, he's going to say, well, I'm being apolitical. You know, like the church shouldn't get involved in politics. But I'm going to use all of this language the, the that most political language associates with one particular side of a very like uh, a very heated political debate right I'm now. I'm going to use the most political language I can to say that 
I'm not being political now. Yep. And how common is this? Yeah, this happens all the time. And I like, I part of me thinks that they're unaware that they're doing this, but I also think that probably there some of them know what they're doing, right? Some of them know, but I think a lot of these guys actually think what they're doing is apolitical. I don't know. Like, I think that I think the guys at Docent Research Group are pretty smart, right? <laughs> Oh, we're, not gonna, we're not sorry. We're not sorry. For we're, we're not sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I think you're right. I, I do think that we'll see, right? If this becomes an argument, I think you're right. If this is just the parlance of the day, again, our language is so focused on politics that we view everything that way because mm. we are in the secular day where that is our religion. And so that is how we talk. All. Yep. If I want to discuss an ultimate in something in ultimate terms with you, it must be done in a political. Yeah, because way. that is what is most ultimate, right? Yeah. So, okay. So Jesus cares about injustice. No, no arguments from me, except for all the things Pastor Michael said, because I'm being wisdom. I'm with you, JD. All, all aboard. I don't know if that was exactly the point of the Good Samaritan parable in Luke 10, but you know what? I'm with you. Jesus so, so far, we, we agree. Uh, on the principle of the spirituality of the church. <laughs> and, well, we agree We agree that Jesus condemns injustice. Basically, yep. that's where we're at, halfway right. through this clip. Let's see where it goes next. But what you see, watch this, instead of giving a specific, you might even say political answer to this question, Jesus withholds his opinion. He says rather starkly, verse 14, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? In this situation, the verses after it, you'll see he preaches a little mini sermon that warns both brothers about the idolatry of money. That's right. That's right, slaveholder. Who appointed me as judge over you? That's right, police officer. Who appointed the church as someone who should say anything? I, again, I, I'm starting to, I think I know where this is going. Now that Jesus withheld his opinion, I think is an interesting, uh, an interesting statement. But what is what is undeniable is that the Christians in the church actually not saying anything about these things is not what is not what people really want. It might be what should be done. I'm not I'm, I'm not debating that. I, we need to see where this goes before I say that. But that is not what people want. And we will go back to this passage if if it turns if it turns the way I think it is. You see, had Jesus adjudicated this case, he would have caught off half of his audience. And Jesus had been sent to seek and save the lost on all sides of these issues. So Jesus showed restraint in adjudicating the particulars of this case so that he could preach the gospel to both of them, to all of them. Here we go. So this is, so is, is what Jesus did in this passage. So I assume what we're getting now is Jesus didn't answer the question because he didn't want to cut off the, the differing political views of his day so that they would be ready to hear the gospel. Is that what Jesus is doing in this passage? Yeah, I don't think so. So no. I mean, it, it makes it very clear. So uh, by the way, if you want to uh, check out a sermon on this, uh, Pastor Jim, the senior pastor here at Christ Covenant, did preach on this. Um, at some point, I can't remember exactly when it was, but we preached through the parables uh, this past year. And so uh, if you want to check that out, go to ccc-pca.org. You can find a, a good sermon on this. Parable. Send me the link. Send me the link, and I'll put it in our show notes. Yeah, I'll try to try to uh, even find it right now, so I don't forget. Because I will forget if I wait. But um, I'll 
I'll look that up. But very clearly, Jesus sees what's going on, and he sees that there is a covetous heart behind these things. As Jesus often does, and as the parables often do, um, it's Jesus sees that there is an issue at play that needs to be dealt with that is deeper than the mere question that's yes. being asked. Yes. You know, this is just like the rich young ruler, right? Like, yes. I've, you know, I've done everything, right? What, what, what more is there for me to do? Uh, you know, and Jesus can see the heart and he loves people. He knows their heart better. And he usually responds with something that is not a direct yes or no kind of a thing to right. their question. Rather, he, he takes what they're asking and actually frames it in the way that it should be so that they actually understand what's going on at a deeper heart level. And so yes. uh, the, the idea that you would then take that and, and make it something else, you can just tell that what's going on is you're, you, you have this narrative and you're jumping into the text with it. You're using yeah. the text to talk about something that you want to talk about instead of following what the text is actually talking about. Right. I do, again, the way Jesus answers with a question, man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? Jesus is Jesus always responds with a question. It's a it's it's a very characteristic thing of him. And I and I know that it's often talked about that. It's a very um, it's also kind of a Hebraic way of of doing dialogue. But he 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 always asks questions like this. And I think that there is a potential there is potential place in this text for us to talk about Jesus actually did not come in order to be involved in the Jewish system, in this legal system. And I think that there is a potential application for the, for the non-political nature of what Jesus is doing. Why? Because Jesus didn't, because if I'm going to give an answer, and again, this, please listen to this sermon, because it's going to be much better than what I'm saying. Jesus didn't come to get, bring a political answer to inheritance questions in first century Jerusalem. He came to fix the hearts of people. So, right, why? So Jesus sees through it, but he's not saying, I'm not going to talk about this because I know I need them to, uh, I need everyone to be willing to listen to me. Right. In fact, the story he tells would be much more offensive. Right. Like, hey, your covetous heart, it, you're, you're a fool. Your soul will be demanded of you. I don't, Pastor Michael, I don't know about you, but. If I asked someone a question like this, if I asked our pastor, if I asked you a question like this, hey, I'm in a dis I am in a dispute with my sister over something that's from our family. And you go, hmm, I don't know why you'd come with me with this. Can I tell you a story about a rich man who <laughs> wanted more and more and then he died and was a fool and went to hell? Yeah. I don't think I would go away and be like, wow. You know, I'm so glad he didn't answer my question directly, <laughs> but instead <laughs> confined me to the fires of hell for this foolishness. No. All right. Sorry, JD. We, it might not be. Also, funny story. I just looked it up. I actually preached on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This Even happens, better. By the way, this happens when you just like, when you're preaching for a certain amount of time, you start forgetting. Uh, I was thinking of a conversation I did have uh, with the senior pastor of our church uh, about this, but it was probably when we were preparing it because sure. I was going to preach it. And so, um, so anyway, you can find, I'll, I'll put a link. Uh, I sent you a link uh, that you can put in the show notes. Great. Following him, the institutional church shows restraint in adjudicating the particulars of political and social questions. I mean, which policies or which candidates best get the job done, which strategies work best because our commission in the local church is to preach the gospel to everybody. So that is his point. In the end, the church should not make political statements about specific political issues 
because what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to preach the gospel to which I say the deacon of God uh, may have you rethink that position where the reformed writers in their confessions included statements about the civil government included statements about uh, what you should do. And obviously in J.D. Greer, if it's, if, if this is leading up to some election, he's saying the church shouldn't be saying what you should do in this election. Shouldn't be saying, and I think that there is, again, I think that there is a point to this fact that the church is not here primarily for public policy decisions. Yeah. So the primary, like the primary place of the church is not to host patriotic rallies Right, where they invite former presidents and it's all like eagles and American flags and, and all of this. Um, it's not wrong for a Christian to be patriotic, but it, it can be said that the mission of the church is not political. The, the specific mission of the church. The church, yes. Not individual Christians, not right, Christians yeah, not, in a country. Not Christians because, uh, you know, as we've talked about, like we, we as people, we live in two kingdoms, right? As Christians, yep. we, we are in uh, the 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 kingdom of this world as well like we you can't uh you cannot divide these things to such an extent that you say well i'm i'm a christian so i'm outside of what happens in an election or something like that no it still matters it's still it's still important and there's biblical principles and truths that the church can teach us about these things yes but it is not to say that the church should be a place where you hold political rallies where it's all about holding up particular candidates or or something like that that can be really problematic right and and again, I think that the this this again this tactic is is so wrong because again, where it leads to is so. What should the church do? Let's follow Jesus's model here in this nice parable. Okay, so you're right. My the job of the church isn't to figure out the best way to you know administrate a government, right, or handle inflation, right? Yeah, ex- actually, let me instead tell you a story about you know, a person who led children to slaughter and, and is now burning in hell. Oh, sorry. That that's not popular. What the church should do, what the church can do, what church has been given the right to do by Jesus is to preach the moral principles, to preach the gospel, to preach at the hearts of the people, right? It might not be the church's jobs. You know, if, if we're going to look at the the, uh, the old spirituality of the church, why that was bad, because they said it's not the church's job to end the political institution of slavery. Well, it would then be the church's job to preach against any racial vainglory, any mistreatment of a person, the full dignity of every single human being. The church should say all of those things. The church in our day should speak with, should tell, should as the deacon of God shows, should tell the civil magistrate that it is a deacon of God. It is here to be a servant of God. And now it serves God in a different way than the church does. And the church is not over, over this deacon. No, but Jesus Christ is. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is something to be said in this arena, in this way. Um, and this, again, the, it's this, it's, it's this way of talking that comes across as disingenuous because you start by saying, let me use all of these very like clear, like this clear language that everybody listening will align with one or another kind of political movement in our country. And then 
tell you that you're not supposed to do anything or think anything political. Like what it's just, it feels disingenuous. So yeah, that actually makes me realize the two things. This is actually unintentionally kind of a sick burn on Democrats because he's saying stop arguing public policy with Democrats in the church so we can preach the gospel to those lost people. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) at the end of the day, that's kind of what this is. Hey, we're not going to discuss that you all should not be Democrats because we want to preach the gospel to those lost people. That's like (laughs) that's a sick burn. Yeah, here. But here's the other here's the other problem with it. In this, we need to show restraint. We need to, you know, we need to not speak to these things, right? And the the weird thing is, is he saying this is a matter of justice and injustice, and we should not say anything about it. If the word of God has given you, right, if the word of God had actually given a super clear, given clear statements about these things, um, it's not that Jesus doesn't have the right and the wisdom to see into a person's heart and actually confront that. That's obviously what he's doing. But, but as the church, if this, if there are issues of justice and injustice, good and evil, we should say that there are those things. And because even though JD Greer is the Cal was the one of the Calvinist guys, he rode the Calvinist wagon to the top of the SBC. This is a very un-Calvinist take on preaching the gospel. We should not teach we should not say certain things the word of God says. Um, now, again, it, is it just our opinions, right? What, how, how far do we want to get here? But right with how he couches it, that these are questions of justice and injustice. If we want to say the church should not speak to certain things so that people will listen to the gospel, that is not a Calvinist point of view on human will, right? People don't, this is, the, the human will is lost. It's it's chained. It needs the gospel. And it needs the law of things it likely doesn't want to hear to be converted. And it's not a it's not our job to write the, the message crafting of of this is not is not a is not a reformed way of talking about conversion. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So I mean, hey, you know, there there's more that could be said, but uh, a lot of it probably has been said when it comes yep. to issues of politics in the church. And so <laughs> yep. you can find it. The deacon of God that, you know, this 12 days of restless is over, but you can still enjoy one more gift if you have not bought it. Or if you want to buy one of these books and send it on over to JD Greer, you're right. more than welcome to do that, you know, yeah. send him a copy of this. Uh, I I don't even care if you pirate this and send it to him. <laughs> You, you can go ahead and do that, but it's only $2.99. So why not just buy two, uh, you know, uh, use, use it that way. Uh, we, we hope this has been helpful. We hope it's been enjoyable. We've enjoyed spending time with you over these 12 days. Uh, there is more restless to come. We're just getting started, uh, but we probably won't be going daily for a little while again. Yeah. <laughs>